if you don't schedule it in, if you don't make it a priority, and if you don't realize that the future is right now, you're never going to learn. And so I've been saying that I wanted to learn chess for maybe a decade now, and I'm like, oh, I'll do it in the future, I'll do it in the future. Like, I am in my future. Welcome, everyone, to Life with Lisa podcast. Our mission at Life with Lisa is to share people's stories and the challenges that they have overcome so that those who are listening in can get the strength, the courage, and the hope to be their better selves. And today we have a very special guest because I've been wanting to interview her for a long time. And I saw, ever since I saw her how-to posts, it was something so unique on Instagram and it was really, really helpful. And it managed to collect all of the self-help information and show it in such a visual and easy to digest form that I knew that not only she has this knowledge, but she also knows how to communicate it. And probably she also has lots of stories of her own and the challenges that she went through because only those people can actually present information in such an easy to comprehend way. She has managed to create a community of over hundreds of thousands of people. And she's so vulnerable in sharing her journey, her approach to mental health, and just raising awareness around this topic. Katie, I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. That was such an incredible introduction. I'm like <laughs> blushing out here. <laughs> I mean, your how-to posts, let's take a minute. They are incredible. I have never seen anything like that. Thank you. I appreciate it. They are like my baby. Like they're my favorite things. And you can ever. feel that because it, it, it doesn't feel like it's something that you just sat down and did in one minute or something that you did just to get reach or to increase your engagement. It really feels like you wanted to share this information with people. You have a lot of knowledge in it and you are just bringing your heart and soul into that work. Yeah, absolutely. I like to choose topics that like I talk a lot about in therapy too. So it gives me a chance to do my own outside research outside of like what I've been talking to my therapist about. And so like I learn alongside like the people that I share it with. And so they're like one of my favorite things to create because I feel like they really help me with my emotional intelligence yeah. really as well. And something that I have not mentioned in the introduction, but also you're doing a double major degree so this social media thing is not is not at all your main job or full-time work it's, it's just something that you do on the side to share and uh, to help your audience but it's incredible so can you please let, let us know how did your journey start why did you decide to start your instagram account and uh, yeah let's start from there yeah, absolutely. So I started my Instagram account back in August of 2020, or like I started kind of posting how I post now. And I started because I had just come out of inpatient treatment and I was using it like as an accountability diary. And so I would write like books that I was reading, things that I was doing to help my mental health. And I didn't really have much of a following back then, but I did have a really great community that I had um, prior to like my mental health treatment. And so I had about 15K on the platform already. And they were really like, inspired and loved like learning alongside of me and so I actually started creating like graphic um little text posts uh like back in 2021 uh just when I was like getting into the medium I wanted to do something creative and I definitely knew that I wanted to do something different with my platform but it didn't feel super authentic to who I was and actually 
around this time last year in April, I made my first how to post, which was how to be alone. And it was because I had been talking about like being socially alone and socially isolated for a couple of months with my therapist. And it kind of sparked like this whole how to emotional intelligence series that you brought up. But um, I do, as you mentioned, like Instagram on the side, I'm a full time student. I'm a senior in college. So I'm graduating in about a month, which is absolutely crazy. And it just like is this big passion project of mine, like mental health and personal wellness and emotional intelligence is something that I'm super interested in. Um, Because I don't study it in college, it allows me to really like explore and do research outside of what I normally would do as a student. So I really love it. I like dedicate a lot of my time to it, but I call it like my passion project. I love your passion for mental health. And I also love how you're starting the conversations and also you're creating a beautiful place for other people to see that they're not alone and that everyone has their own struggles. And especially I'm always very impressed when people open up and are so vulnerable on social media because it's hard to open up in general, but opening up in social media, it feels even more extreme because you're exposing yourself and sometimes the most vulnerable parts to a lot of people who can not necessarily say nice things to them. And so I am very, very impressed by that. Where do you take this courage to actually do that? I feel like I've had conversations with people like this. I think it's just like an intrinsic thing in like that I don't, (laughs) for better or for worse, I feel like I don't have like that boundary. So what I feel like I share is not super vulnerable to me because I've always just been very in touch with my emotions and in touch with my mental health. And so even my first therapist, like the first uh, session I had with her, she was like, you are an ideal client. Like you, I don't have to ask you to talk. You'll just talk. And so for me, like that's, I don't feel like I have this boundary or this uh, need to overcome the vulnerability when I share, but I do like to share, especially since like, as I mentioned before, I went to inpatient treatment and I've struggled a long time with my mental health. I've been struggling since I was 11 years old. Um, And I just want to share like my journey just to make sure that people who were like are my age and are still struggling know that it's like a safe place to come to and that they're not alone in what they're going through as well because I I always like to say that I want to be who I wanted when I was younger on social media and I feel like a lot of people weren't really opening up with what they were going through back then and the first person like my first celebrity crush actually was this person who like opened up about having depression and anxiety on the internet and he, um, it's literally, this is so embarrassing, but it's Ashton Irwin, who's like the drummer of Five Seconds of Summer. And when he did that, when I was like 14, I was like, wow, like it changed the game for me. And so I kind of like want to provide the same feeling to a lot of uh, younger and people. And I'm sure right you now. already, I saw the community that you built is so supportive. It really feels like you can go there and you can write comments and you will also be met with warmth and support and not judgment or some kind of cyberbullying. So that's, that's incredible. So I'm sure that you're already playing that role for many people who follow you. And you did mention that you started struggling when you were 11. It's quite crazy because you were so, so young. How did you realize, like, did Mm -hmm. something change from when you were, when you turned 11 or if you, of course, if you feel comfortable sharing or how did you realize that something is wrong? Yeah, of course. Um, So I pinpoint it to like literally around November 2011, I 
opened my first social media account which was tumblr and i finally felt like i had the language to describe like how i was feeling and i had always like struggled a lot in school i felt like i wasn't doing well like wasn't quote unquote living up to my potential and that always really frustrated me because i knew that like i could do so much better but there felt like there was a mental block and a mental barrier with the level of energy that i had and the level of energy that i wanted to be able to put into things like school and so when i opened tumblr I was met with like a lot of people online who were struggling in the same vein that I was and they gave me that language to kind of talk about my mental health and so because of them I started taking quizzes like am I depressed like what should I do and I started to gather a lot of education and again like language to speak about what was going on um, but then I actually got like professional help when I was 17. So it was a lot of like struggling in silence. It was a lot of, it was very taboo back then, like from 2011 to 2017, like a lot of people did not talk about their mental health and professional help was not really accessible where I grew up. I grew up um, overseas in Hong Kong. So in an Asian culture, you don't really talk about your mental health. And so all of that um, like packed in, I just didn't, allow myself to get professional help until I was 17 but I was really like privileged and lucky to be able to access that language and that education at such a young so age. So was that some of, was that some of the first steps that you've taken to actually start feeling better to to be actually able to define and find words for how you're feeling? Yeah, I credit a lot of my like healing and recovery journey to professional help actually. So I started going to therapy a couple months before I turned 18, which I have a really funny story. Like when I had to um, get my parents to sign the waiver to go to therapy because I was still considered a minor, I didn't tell them what it was for. I just made them sign it. And then I was like, you have to sign it because I'm going to be late. And my dad's like, what am I signing? And I was like, uh, it doesn't matter. Just sign it. And we'll talk about it later. So he like read it over really quickly. It was like, oh, like you're going to go to therapy. And then I like rushed out the door, went to my first therapy session. Um, and since then, I've cycled through like a lot of different therapists. Some of them have been better fit than others. But a lot of the times I do change therapists based on like their expertise. And so um, yeah, I credit a lot, again, like of my healing journey to being able to access like therapists and professional help at a younger age. And then I was also put on medication when I like three months after I turned 18. So this was like five months after therapy. And so I was able to like really like kind of skyrocket my mental health like recovery journey because of all the professional help that I was yeah. able to access. And I'll fast forward to this present moment. I see that you also have created so many rituals and habits that you follow on a day-to-day -day basis to actually support your mental health, because I feel like it's more of a, you need to have like a holistic view on all your whole life and also working out and eating nourishing foods, getting enough sleep, staying hydrated is also important because I feel like there is also a strong link between mental health and physical health. If you're literally not moving your body, you're not giving yourself any chance to like detox from because your body does detox when you work out etc so you're not helping your mental health as well so how how is your um, routine morning routine evening routine or any rituals that you've built how they're looking now and how they help in your mental health mm-hmm 
So the one thing that I've been doing, I think for the longest time has been journaling every night. And this started um, when I was on a backpacking trip, actually my senior year of high school. And so this is in 2019. And I literally have like almost every single day recorded since June of 2019. And I started because I wanted to remember like that backpacking trip. I like wrote down how many miles we hiked and like what I was doing. And it just got me into this ritual of kind of like writing down my day and like writing down again like my thoughts because it was also like a very mental health focused like spiritual journey it was like this is your time before you go off to college to like quote unquote find yourself in the wilderness like that was the point of the trip so I got into that routine of daily journaling in 2019 and now I do it every night before bed it's like if I don't daily journal I feel like I go to bed super anxious. There's like so many things in my head. And so even like, I joke, like even when I'm drunk, even like if I'm not sober, like I will still try to write something down because I know that I'll wake up really anxious the next day. And so that's like the one ritual that I really recommend to people. However, I know that I was just saying, just so that do you ever read back in the morning what you wrote the night before? And (laughs) especially... I mean, sometimes, um, some, one thing that I find really fun is like, you know how Snapchat memories have like, oh, on this day, like four years ago, if I'm at home, cause my house like has all of my journals right now, um, except for the one I'm currently working on, I will go back and like read the, the previous day, like that day from like the previous couple of years. And so it's like really fun to see how much I've grown. But in terms of reading it back the the day after, probably not unless I feel like I said something super profound or I wrote something down that I needed to remember for for the next day. Um, Usually it's just like a recap of my day and like how I'm feeling. And it's just like a way for me to be able to voice my emotion. So you were mentioned the journaling is not for everyone or you realize that Yeah, I was going to say, I have a theory too, which has proven to be true 100% of the time, um, but I've only like asked maybe 10 people. So I'm curious to see if this holds true for people who are listening and for you as well, is that if you have a very dominant voice in your head, like if it, if the voice in your head is either your own voice or someone else's voice and they talk to you, journaling doesn't work because you end up having a conversation in your head instead of on paper. But for me, I don't have a voice in my head, which people find really weird. Like I cannot hear myself think. I don't know how I process thoughts. I do it very verbally, which is why I talk a lot. But For me, that's why journaling works is because I don't like that's the only way I can process thoughts. So journaling is to me like meditation is to a lot of other people. And so if you have like a very dominant voice, I think that meditation is a good alternative to journaling. Oh wow, That's my theory. Something like that. And I was just checking in with myself. Am I hearing a voice? And then I felt a bit crazy. (laughs) But if I'm hearing... (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious, do you hear a voice in your head? Like, is something... Yeah, I think you? so. I think when, I, when I'm when i just doing something, for example, cooking, or, you know, I'm going for a walk without music or any distractions, I would hear kind of a conversation in my head. So I'm thinking through it and I do hear a voice. I, I will double check on that uh, after this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I think what's interesting when I journal, and especially when I just lets myself write whatever comes to my mind i don't hear a voice i actually just can journal and that's because i feel like sometimes when you do have the oh my god this sounds just so weird when you do have the voice in your head and you 
try to journal and saying right writing down basically what the voice is saying i feel like you're almost never you cannot write down fast enough and you always feel like you know a bit um like you're you're just falling behind or something because your thoughts are rushing too fast and of course you can think faster than you can write mm -hmm. so that's why i feel like when I just write down, I don't hear any voice. I'm very present and it does feel like a meditation as well. Um, yeah, it's very, very interesting observation because I, I am wondering why journal really works well for some people and for some other people say like their thoughts are just too chaotic and they cannot journal. They just find it, their thoughts mm -hmm. are going way too fast for, for them to be able to write it down. Yeah, I, I mean, my theory, it's not tested. And I also haven't searched it up. So maybe it's not my theory. But <laughs> like, I, I know that the the head voice is like on kind of a sliding scale. Like I have a friend who is constantly talking to himself in his head. And like, it doesn't mean he's crazy. He's just like, every time he'll say something, he'll have to think about it first. And it's just like a very unconscious process. And for me, there's absolutely nothing. And so I know that people can exist on different scales. And I think that once you reach a certain threshold, like journaling works for this half of people and meditation works for the yeah. other half of people. But also I noticed that some people say as also about meditation that sometimes when they do have a voice or, you know, their thoughts are very chaotic that they still cannot concentrate. And for them, they feel like they're not meditating right because they're sitting down and they're just now... Uh, they just hear their own voice all the time. And they're like, what's going on? I cannot handle this. This is too much. And uh, I do say, if you cannot handle your own thoughts, maybe you should journal. But now I, I'm not sure if that would work for them. <laughs> yeah, I think that the journaling and meditation argument, it's just like whatever works best for you. But what I found is like when I ask my friends if they have a very strong head voice and then if they're unable to journal, there's like this high correlation between like, they'll just start talking to themselves in their head instead of journaling. And so meditation for them, like, even though they talk to themselves, it's like a more intentional space for them to do so. And for me, like, that's what journaling is. And so a lot of people who are like, you should meditate or you should journal, like, I think that it's definitely very independent. And this is like one kind of not foolproof, but like, it works pretty well, like 99% of the time, it will hold up true theory of whether you should journal or and meditate. That, when you mentioned that for a lot of things, you need to actually talk through them. Do you ever talk to yourself like in the mirror? Because I find that sometimes, okay, the, this conversation is just turning out weird, but uh, <laughs> I, I do sometimes, I, I, not now because I don't have like a big mirror at the apartment where I'm staying now, but back in the place where I grew up, um, I used to have a big mirror in my room. And sometimes I would just like sit with myself and I kind of talk in terms of like walk through my thoughts. And I found that very helpful, especially when I was confused, because sometimes you just need to voice them over to understand what's going on. Because when your thoughts are just in your head, I feel like they could be just quite tangled up. And when you voice it over, um, they get uh, clear. So I don't know if you've ever done it. I'm just curious to hear. I don't know if I've ever like sat in the mirror and talked to myself, but I do know a lot of people do it. So it's like not weird, but what I like to do sometimes is I process again, like, as I said, I process things out loud. And so that's why I talk to my friends a lot about things that I'm going through. But sometimes if I feel like I don't want to like beat a dead horse and continue like asking for advice on the same thing, I'll film myself talking. And so it's kind of like I'm talking in the mirror and then it feels good because it feels like this verbal release. So it's either I film myself or I like 
voice record myself on my phone um, talking through my problems. And that also helps me. But most of the time, honestly, when I need to talk something out, I just journal. Like, it's really like I like to be a visual person. And so it's really helpful just to see like all mm. of my thoughts on paper. So the things that you're doing now, you, you mentioned journaling is a big one. What are some of the other habits or rituals that you currently do that help you a lot? I would say definitely prioritizing sleep is a really big one. I've always been a big lover of my sleep. I joked that like I've only pulled an all-nighter maybe twice in my life and neither of them were school related. Like I would never pull an all-nighter because I had to do an assignment. So I like to prioritize sleep and I sleep about eight hours a night, um, like seven and a half, eight hours a night. Also, some things I wrote down was like, don't use restrictive language to talk about food. So instead of being like, I'm going to cut out sugar, I'm going to cut out this, it's like, I'm going to add. So there's like a lot, there's a, a thing where it's like, instead of saying, I'm going to cut out this for my breakfast, I'm just going to add more things. Like I'm going to add more nuts. I'm going to add healthy things. So you don't have to like restrict what you're eating. And so I really like to make sure that I'm like following the 80-20 diet, which is like 80% watching watching what you eat in quotation marks and then 20% eating like the sugar, the cake, or like indulging yourself a little bit more. Um, I also think that a great habit for people is to read at least one book a month. I personally read a lot. So last year I read 86 books. The year before that I read about 80 books. Um, so I read a lot. Not saying that like I read necessarily like quote unquote good books, but like, I think that, you know, words on a paper is words on a paper. So I do like sprinkle in some nonfiction with like my Colleen Hoovers and whatnot. But I think that reading at least one book a month, regardless of the genre, regardless of like how quote unquote good it is, is also a really good practice. Um, making time for your hobbies as well. So for me, that like is Instagram, it's reading, it's, um, I have a podcast as well. And so I like to like make time for that and my newsletter and hanging out with friends, like going for hikes, like whatever that is for you, just making time to prioritize things that you enjoy. And then the last one was journal or meditate to get your You didn't out. mention working out, but I do see, I did see that you do work out quite a lot and, uh, it also does help, but would you say it's not something or why, why it was not on the list or are you just something, something you missed? Honestly, I think I just forgot about it. Like I do, I do work out a lot, but I do it more. I mean, I guess you're right. Like I do it a lot for my mental health and I try to separate, like, I don't know, working out just like exists in a bubble for me. Like, it's like, I just do it because I like it and it's not necessarily like a ritual or like a habit. It's just like, whenever I want to, whenever I feel motivated, like I do it, but it is part of a lifestyle now. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't mention it. Honestly, I, just, but I, think, I think it's I the best part it. where those things that are so good for us become our lifestyle that we don't even feel like, oh, I have to go and do that. It just feels like, oh, this is just how I am. I just the person who loves to move my body and uh, get give uh, get energy from working out, etc. And uh, so it's quite funny that you didn't even mention it because it didn't feel like a ritual. Like, oh, this is just something I do. Yeah, I just I feel like it is like an unconscious habit at this point. Like, I don't really like think about it as something that I consciously have to do each day. Whereas like for other things, 
the language around food, that's something that I'm, you know, working on a lot more. Sleeping eight hours, especially as a student, that's something that I have to like think about daily. But I think working out is just like such an intuitive thing. Like if I have extra energy and I want to get it out, like I'll go work out. I also like tailor my workout routine to my like shower routine. So like if I have to like wash my hair on a certain day, I know like what kind of workouts I need to do. And so I think like in that sense, it's definitely more, um, yeah, unconscious and like built into I my life. I love that you mentioned that uh, you also tailor it, your workout routines to the hair wash days because I think it's a real, I, I saw like a really funny uh, video on that. It's like a girl trying to decide when to wash her hair, but it's based on the workout and then on how much time she has and then she needs to get ready and then if she needs to dry the hair and then it, <laughs> it's like a whole mathematical equation. Yeah, that's exactly me like every other day like when I try and decide what I'm trying to do <laughs> and also I wanted to go back to that point I didn't want to interrupt you when you were listing uh, things but 86 books how did you do that do you also do audio books and reading books or is it just purely reading books because it's crazy yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I started this habit where I read before bed and so I try to read physical books but something about me is that I will never I don't like buying books because I don't like clutter so it's like I read a book once and I don't want to like physically own a book and so I will read on my iPad and so that's like something that's not I mean like you know it connects to the internet and whatnot but like scrolling instagram on a screen that's huge is like really awkward and so it kind of doesn't incentivize me to want to like scroll tiktok and instagram before i go to bed and so i read a lot before i go to bed maybe like 30 minutes to an hour each night even in college because that's just like my wind down routine now um but i also do listen to some audiobooks Ten, like kind of only nonfiction books I find them really hard to read like if they're nonfiction and like not self-help books because I listen to a lot of like economics <laughs> books and like things of that nature um, and I also like to listen to memoirs because a lot of the times memoirs are voiced by the the person who wrote the memoir and so I listen to books but mainly it's just reading like like physically it's crazy and um I just, I just know the amount of time it does take because last year i wanted i had a goal of reading a book a week so and of course it really depends on the book you know some mm -hmm. books are so tiny and some others are just like enormous so you cannot really say but i was like more or less a book a week and it is it's, it still is a lot so i was even and it would be 52 books in total so i was very very impressed that you did like mm -hmm. more more than a book a week that's absolutely crazy but I do agree yeah. that reading is something that is just, it's broadening your, broadening your mind and you're getting new ideas and it, it has been such a crucial part of my growth. And I think my personal also self-development journey, and it actually did start with a book that I picked up. It was from Tony Robbins, Awaken the Giant Within, and I, I just loved it. I've yeah, it, it was just so good because I realized, I think the biggest realization from that book, because I, I do mention um, it a lot that it just changed my life and I really went into personal development. It was that our beliefs and our convictions are something that we subconsciously have, but they're not necessarily true. 
and it's something that we just acquired and you can actually question it and sometimes we have very strong beliefs convictions and the way we and the lens basically through which we see the world that we don't even realize it that we have it and just having that realization and then asking myself a question myself and seeing what beliefs uh, do i have which values do i have what are my convictions and that was just so so helpful because then i started realizing okay you start realizing that you can change the ones that actually don't serve you. You can keep the ones that serve you and help you. And then you also realize that someone else can be literally seeing the world through a different lens because they're viewing the world through different set of values or convictions and beliefs. So it was so fascinating because it helped me understand people better and understand myself better. Yeah, I just put it like as you were talking, I put it on my to read list. Like I really want to read that. Yeah, really it's, it, it had also quite a few exercises in it. So you actually he asked you like to journal it out or to actually do the work. So I really, really loved it because it really was very practical. So that book just set off, set me off on this personal development journey. And ever since then, I've been reading so much in the self-help personal development space. And I just saw the biggest difference in how I think and the, 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 the amount of ideas that I have now, nowadays. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love like self-help personal development books. They're like one of my guilty pleasures, but I feel like, I don't know about you in your 52 books last year or trying to read 52 books last year, if you noticed that a lot of the like I guess ideas in self-help books are very repetitive. And so I find that it's more impactful for me, at least, to find an author or a voice that really works for me and then reread that book instead of reading a lot of different books. Because it feels like they just say the same things, but like in different voices and kind of tailored yeah, to different for, audiences. For sure. I do notice that if also, especially the way the authors present information doesn't work for me, it, it, it is more beneficial to actually leave that book and not force yourself to read it just because you picked up a book. And I do like to give a book a chance, but then, you know, if it doesn't work, I, I don't think I, I would be forcing myself. At the same time, I do switch a lot uh, the topics. So, for example, I would go, for example, from finance to psychology and then to health. And that's why it doesn't feel like I'm reading about the same thing, like one thing after another, because I switch kind of mm -hmm. the themes. So, and some of them are very, like more in details about finance and more in details about actual physical health and how the brain works. And then I will go back to psychology or someone's memoir as well. And then I, th I feel like mixing it up helped a lot, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to know like what your favorite book of this year has been so far. I need to think back on all the books. I'm currently reading Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. So a book about leadership. Um, yeah, I, I, I love, I, I loved uh, Simon Sinek also like start with why I watched his TED talk before I read the book and I was very familiar with the idea, but I really love his kind of view on the world. Sometimes he does bring completely a different and fresh perspective. I also, re I'm just trying to think because I'm, I read quite a few books already this year and I loved quite a lot of them. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think about them like the one i read before was jay shetty's eight rules for love and i found that also very interesting because for example the thing that um not a spoiler uh, the book but the thing that i found very interesting was that he had the chapter on purpose in a book about love 
So, and the importance of actually mm. having your purpose and um, doing something that you love because it's such an important part of being who you are. And otherwise you will never be able to actually be in a, in a happy relation because you'll want the other person to fulfill some part, kind, part of you. Whereas if you already have a passion that is just like fueling you as well, you don't expect that from the other person. So you come to a relationship being kind of full and complete person and you just have this amazing relationship together. Whereas ex having this unrealistic expectation of someone else always like entertaining you or um, yeah, bringing something else to the table. So that was was very interesting. What about you? What was the f your favorite book of this year? Um. Oh my gosh, I have to think. I have to. Yeah, right. It's it's list. hard to remember all the Honestly, books. Honestly, <laughs> I know it's hard to like go off the top of my head. Um, I'm looking at my Goodreads right now. I've read about 21 books this year, which is less than I feel like I normally would at this point of the year. But I've read a lot of fiction. I have not read that many nonfiction books. And so of all the books that I've read, my favorite would be Lessons in Chemistry. It like is super popular and I can show you the cover. Like the cover makes it look really, really not very interesting, but it's about this like woman in the 1960s. It's fiction um, and how she she's like a very very smart chemist and she has to deal with a lot of like workplace dynamics uh sexism like in the industry and she gets like hypersexualized on this tv show but she just like wants to like she needs to do it because she needs to make money but the producer wants her to like dress a certain way and like talk a certain way and she completely like blows their uh, stereotypes out of the water and it's like i'm just not going to do that and the it's very character driven not super plot driven and the characters are super like fun and quirky i think it was like a very fast read and it was one of cool. my favorite books and it was the fictional one it was not based on a real person or was it based on someone real okay, okay. it was yeah. it was fiction yeah cool um yeah I, I i think for everyone who is listening they already got the inspiration to start reading more even if they don't really like it i would just say either if you don't really like it because as a child very early child i really didn't like reading but I think it was because I did not find a book that I really enjoyed reading. And that's why it always felt a bit like a chore. Mm -hmm. But then the moment it was, it was a fiction book. And the, when I read it, I just could not put it down. I loved it so much. It was just like literally drawn me in. And then I just fell in love with reading. So I think either for everyone who's listening in and is getting inspired to read, and maybe you don't have yet that habit, but Either you have not found something that you're really interested to read or that would draw in and that's why you're not interested in that. So just try out different things and see what works for you. Or you have not found a way of reading that works for you because I saw uh, some people mentioning that they are really not good at reading the actual book. But for example, they comprehend way better through Audible or Audible sources. Um, so then just mm -hmm. try out different things and see what works for you because it literally opens up a new world. Yeah, absolutely. And like going off of that, I would say for me too, when I started reading, I was really hard on myself and I only wanted to read like nonfiction books that like, you know, really helped me think about life very critically. But there's so much 
great stuff in like contemporary fiction, literary fiction. And I got back into reading by reading all of my favorite series when I was a child. So I've reread, you know, Harry Potter, Hunger Games, even like the selection series. I don't know, maybe that's so niche. But I think that like, you know, whatever gets you back into reading, it doesn't even have to be like, a quote-unquote quality book by life standards. I think there's so much to be gained from just reading about people's like different perspectives, even if it is like a fiction book, even if it is your favorite series from when you were a child, just getting into the habit of reading yeah. is super beneficial. And talking about beneficial habits, I have this very, um, uh, I, have, <laughs> I have this question to you and I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts would be. So imagine if you were, a, mm-hmm. I don't know, a world ruler or someone very, very powerful. And and you could make a law or maybe not even necessarily a law, but um, everyone would follow that rule from tomorrow onwards and it will be the biggest game changer in the mental health space. So if everyone just followed that one rule. Um, so we, what, which one would you actually choose? And uh, which one do you think would be the most impactful? Everyone in the whole world is listening to you and they, you can, you have the power. I would say everyone would have to take at least an hour every day to do something that they are passionate about. Like whatever that looks like for them, it has to be true passion and they don't have to be good at it. And specifically something that they're not monetizing. So just a true passion, a true hobby. One what do you think it would be that powerful? I think that what I'm learning, especially like as an economics major, I look at everything in the lens of capitalism and whatnot. So <laughs> uh, there's a lot of push to monetize things that we're good at. And we oftentimes turn our hobbies into jobs. And like, it's incredible that, you know, the online space has allowed us to monetize our passions, but I think sometimes it can take the joy out of creating. And so what I really tried to prioritize in these past couple of months is like things that I don't necessarily monetize, but bring me a lot of joy. And so for example, the other day I texted one of my friends, I was like, do you want to just sit outside? It's such a nice day and I want to color. And so I brought out a coloring book that I was gifted a couple years ago and had literally never touched and just colored. And I specifically also didn't listen to anything. I didn't listen to music or an audio book. Like I didn't make it this thing where I'm like learning and growing at the same time. It was specifically just so I can enjoy the sun and enjoy what I was doing. And I ended up coloring for about 45 minutes. And if you know coloring books, like you know it takes so long to finish a page. So I'm not even halfway done, but it was super just like relaxing, stress-free, allowed me to just like, I feel like come back to myself and like really let my inner child out to play. And I think that the world- This is so interesting because literally yesterday, I went and I bought myself a puzzle and I, I love puzzles and it's something that I used to be, uh, I used to do that a lot as a child. And I really, I, I felt like my soul was craving an activity, which was more present and not that intense because I feel like with social media, it's so intense and it's so easy to get those dopamine hits and stuff like that. And I really wanted something where I can be just more present and more calm and just to do it. And I, I did it for a couple hours yesterday and I, for a couple of hours today. And I was asking myself, like, what is my why? Why am I doing this? Because I usually try to align my actions in 
towards achieving a, cer a certain goal? You know, how is it moving me closer to my goals? And then I was just doing my puzzle. So I was not really listening to any audiobook. I was not doing anything else. I was just doing my puzzle and I felt guilty about it because then you, you start to question why is it? And at the same time, I kept doing it because it just felt so relaxing and so calming and something that I really wanted to do. But it was interesting how you also said that sometimes you just can let your inner child enjoy that activity without any pressures just for the sake of that activity. And I feel like that's something we forget at times. Absolutely. And I think that like the why in that moment is just like to enjoy it. Like there is no bigger why there's no like, so I can listen to my audiobook at the same time. It really just is like, it's me and this puzzle. And this is what life is about. It's like all of these small moments, especially the moments where you allow yourself to do something that you really want to do without feeling that guilt. It's something that I'm still practicing as well. And so that's why if I was a ruler, I would tell everyone that you need to just like take an hour or more than an hour, because once you start, I feel like if you're in the flow zone, you can't stop. But that's what reading is to me. It's just like, it's not necessarily something that I'm doing to better myself, but it's something that I'm doing because I love it. And like, it entertains me and it fulfills this inner child in me. And so it's like something that I'm not monetizing. It's something that I rarely talk about on my Instagram because it's something that's purely just for I me. think that's so beautiful. And I also started imagining the world where everyone would take that one hour and do something that they actually love or are passionate about and what kind of world we would have then. Because I also feel like... I hope people would be happier. Exactly, but I also feel like sometimes people are not even certain what they're passionate about or what they would do if they had that one hour. So I think it's even a good question to ask yourself, like, what is that something that you could do just purely for your soul or something that you would enjoy just to get to know yourself and know what your passions are or where your heart is kind of calling you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I read somewhere that it's like, if you don't really know who you are, you should start a journal or like, in this digital age, a document and you write down like everything that you enjoy or like one something happened that like made you feel really happy, write that down. And then you can look back and this is like a journal or a document of you. And it's everything that you really like or the people that make you happy, the situations that make you happy. And that's like a great first step into not only journaling and like getting into that practice of writing things down, but also like figuring out who you are. Yeah, and what you would I like. love that. I love that process of actually getting to know yourself. <laughs> so many times we have catch-ups with our friends, but we never have catch-ups with ourselves. But I guess you do because you do that uh, every night checking. And I think that that's incredible to actually Mm -hmm. Keep checking in and see that grows and see the journey that you're on and know how you feel, having your thoughts organized. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very invaluable. Something also because it, it does look like you are in a very good space right now. If you could talk to your younger self, I don't know if you would go back to you yourself when you were 11 years old or maybe older, what would you say to your uh, younger self? Actually, when you were proposing this question, it was really funny because I was writing out my answer and I was like, this is also what an older version of me would say to me now. And so it felt very therapeutic to be able to write it out. But I basically wrote like everything works out. Even when you think it won't, it will. The universe has a plan for you and everything you're going through right now is part of that larger plan. Focus on what you can control. Enjoy your childhood. And don't worry too much about the future. Honestly, I just got goosebumps. It was so beautiful. Wow. 
Thank you. Well, I think, yeah, I definitely was, sorry, I was going to say, I definitely was like, when I was writing this, I was like, older Katie would say this to me right now, because like, I feel like sometimes I overthink a lot. There are situations where I'm like, oh, I could have done this better, this better, like it's not going to work out. And I'm trying to puzzle it out in my mind because I want to gain that semblance of control in my life to know like what the next step is, what the next action is. But I was like, you know, 35 year old Katie or something like me in like 12 years, for some reason, I picked that number would tell me right now, like, it's okay, it's gonna work out, like, just live your life and enjoy each. Moment. That's just the most beautiful answer. Wow, I, I st I'm still a bit sad. Uh, <laughs> I'm processing it. I think it was very beautiful and applicable to more people than just you. <laughs> I think a lot of people can take that to heart. Absolutely. And before I ask my last question, where can people connect with you, reach out to you? Yeah, so my Instagram is just my name. So it's at katie.eu. I also have a TikTok under the same username. And I have a podcast like yours. Um, it's called Solidarity on the Bench with KDU. Should be available on every platform that you listen. And also a newsletter that I host on sub sub Substack. Substack. Sorry, I don't know why I had so much trouble saying that. Um, but all of my links are on beacons.ai backslash. Beautiful. And my last question is, it was not on the list. I like to take people by surprise. Uh, <laughs> let's okay. imagine you're eight years old. You're looking back on your life and you think, I wish I've done that. So now we go back to this very present moment. And there is already something that you know you must do, but you haven't done it yet. What would that something be for you? This is such a good question. And my answer is really funny. Um, I wish I prioritized how to learn chess, like how to play chess. And I always like I have friends who play chess and they they're like it's super easy to learn but it's always been this really daunting task for me and i know that me saying that i want to learn chess i want to learn chess i've been saying it for maybe a decade now it's just not high on my priority list and so literally on the top of my to-do list i have learn how to play chess and one day hopefully i will prioritize it enough to sit down and actually try to learn it but if i'm 80 and i haven't learned how to play chess i'll be really but it, it's so, I love this question because it kind of can either pinpoint a, a very particular activity that you really feel like you should be doing and you're not doing it, or as, also just to have this check-in on your life, you know, in general, if, is it going in the right direction? And I think your life in general is going in the direction that you want to go. You quite, con you put in a lot of conscious effort towards that, but chess thing, <laughs> it, it, it is still out there. It's still on that list. <laughs> Yeah, I really, like, I I just, I tell myself every day, like, I'm going to learn how to play chess sometime. And I think, like, it's very applicable to things that we want to do. Like, we think we have, not that we think we have a lot of time, because we do, but um, we think that it's something that we, we can put off in the future, but we really... Like if you don't schedule it in, if you don't make it a priority, and if you don't realize that the future is right now, you're never going to learn. And so I've been saying that I wanted to learn chess for maybe a decade now. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it in the future. I'll do it in the future. Like I am in my future. Like I am in the future self that the decade 10, uh, 13 year old me was like, I want to learn chess, maybe like at this age, at this age. And so it really like puts into priority, like, 
okay, if I tell myself that I want to do something, I have to, you know, stick to my word and like make sure that I do it. And so I'm going to learn how to play chess this year. I will maybe over the summer when I have a little bit more time, but like <laughs> the people on the podcast will know I'm going to learn how to and play we'll chess. And we'll come check in with you in summer and like, Hey, how is it going? <laughs> If I haven't learned how to play chess by the summer, I'll be very disappointed. So definitely. <laughs> oh, Katie, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Your energy is so beautiful. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and being so like a sunshine. <laughs> you are the you are the sunshine on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was like an incredible conversation and I'm going to take away those two books that you mentioned or those two books and the Simon Sinek books as well. And I'm going to read them and think about you in this podcast. And I'm very excited. So thank you again thank you. for having me.